Namaste listeners of our Athreya Herbs podcast. Again, this is an initiative to spread the knowledge on Ayurveda living for families and communities everywhere. One of the fundamental topics that we will be going over today is related to the seven tissues of the body, in which we call the datus. And since the human body is composed of the seven datus, they are uh, these seven tissues are responsible for keeping the body structured together. And they also play a very important role in nourishing the body. This will be the first segment of seven in the series where today we will cover the first datu in the cascade of nourishment called rasa, otherwise known as plasma. And to help guide us in our learning, we have with us Vaidya Jayakopal. Om Namah Shivaya Vaidya. <laughs> Namaste, Tiffany. Om Namah Shivaya to you. We welcome all our listeners to this beautiful uh, topic because knowing your body is the greatest knowledge that you will have to promote your health and also take care, self uh, care uh, of our health and well-being. So I'm really looking forward to these seven topics. And as we go more closer and closer to our body and its physical makeup. Uh, Thank you, Tiffany, for doing this seven um, topic series on seven tissues. I'm excited. No, thank you. I'm I'm really excited to cover these, uh, these seven topics since there's a lot of great information that we could all learn about. And just could we briefly talk about the seven before we hone in on rasa, the very first tattoo? Um, so these seven work together, never try to separate them saying that they are compartmentalized. That's not the right way of looking at it. They are intermingling with each other all the time to make the body processes and physiology happen. So having that vision is very, very important to us because as we become more and more, you know, restricted to one tissue as one in a box, then the physical body appears to be not, you know, um, coming uh, together in in terms of functioning. It's always better to look at them as all seven of them working together with one of their uh, specialities at their function or their structure. Uh, is what our approach will be, okay? So these seven tissues, uh, first one is called rasa. Uh, Rasa means flow. What does flow in our body? The thing that flows in our body is either uh, the the lymph or the blood. So among these, the flow is specifically referring to the flow of nutrition. And this nutrition is itself known in Ayurveda as rasa. So uh, essence, so the food essence that flows in the body uh, through its own network is called as rasa, which can be comparable to lymphatic system, or it can be even compared to plasma that has all our rich nutrition that other tissues need. That is the rasa. Then the second one is the rakta. Rakta refers to blood. And this is the second flowing, uh, you know, datu or the tissue that we have. And um, 
so the uh, blood tissue which is responsible for uh, circulating the life force uh, which is also called as prana in ayurveda uh, comparable to the uh, oxygen and life uh, you know supportive elements that are required for the body are done through the rakta or the uh, blood system so blood dhatu uh, is known as rakta so we have two fluid dhatus and then we have the third one which is mamsa mamsa is the muscle or flesh uh, which is capable of um, you know giving the form or the shape to the body by um, not only making movement possible but also wrapping around every organ structure tissue that is there to give it in uh, give it a Uh, form that we see as human form and uh, that is the third one uh, which we call as mamsa then the fourth one uh, is meda which is the fat or adipose tissue which in ayurveda we say that is responsible for lubrication and lubricating every tissue and structure is its main function um, meda dhatu is also distributed all over the body uh, then the, the fifth one is asti asti uh, means um, bone or the the strongest framework that body has which makes us to be present in our bodies is asti uh, so asti is um, you know working with mamsa that is the muscle tissue or our our flesh and then the meda the fat tissue the three all always working together like blood and lymph work together muscle fat and bone work together then the last two which is the um, the sixth one is called as um, majja majja is the um, bone marrow or any structure that is enveloped or protected by hard bony structure it can be our nerve tissue which is in the spinal cord in the in our you know um, Uh, cranium in the skull uh, that is also called as majja so majja is responsible for higher functions that we say and lastly shukra shukra is uh, referring to the um, reproductive tissues that are responsible for healthy progeny and uh, uh, healthy you know pregnancy etc so we have seven tissues let me <laughs> uh quickly you know list them again for our listeners so that they can get a idea what these seven are the rasa uh, lymph or the plasma rakta the blood mamsa the muscle meda the fat or the adipose tissue asti the the bone then majja the bone marrow or nervous tissue and then shukra the reproductive tissue so these are the seven tissues that we have tiffany so Since rasa is the first of the seven tissues, can you describe from an Ayurvedic perspective the significance and importance of rasa in our body? Hmm. So among the seven tissues are dhatus that support. Dhatu literally means support uh, or sustain. Uh, rasa is quintessential. for all other dhatus that is because rasa carries the nutrition to the deeper tissues 
when i say deeper tissues it is muscle which is away from the digestive system see let's say the the biceps that we have or the deltoid that that we have is receiving the nutrition from the gut it because of the circulation of this rasa tissue or rasa dhatu so rasa dhatu supports the muscle tissue which is distant from the gut uh, by bringing the nourishment from the gut to the tissue to the muscle tissue then so is the meda asti majja all these seven tissues uh, among the seven tissues six of them receive nutrition because of rasa dhatu that's why rasadatu is very very important for proper uh, proliferation development and functioning of the remaining seven six dhatus if rasa is deficient no matter how much the the person eats uh, or you know digests and assimilates if it doesn't take this nutrition or nourishment to the tissues the person still feels weak that is why rasa is so important in the ayurvedic uh, you know health and uh, uh, rejuvenation process well that's great that um knowing that the main function of rasa is really to carry the plasma and lymphatic i guess uh fluid throughout the whole body and that provides a lot of the nourishment to the rest of the tissues as you pretty much mm-hmm. described yeah so uh, the wholesome food when we eat uh creates wholesome nourishment rasa is our wholesome nourishment that is circulating and you mentioned ras uh, rasayana can you describe mm-hmm. that a little bit yeah so rasayana in ayurveda comes from a um like a methodology or a um a technique of uh, supplementing the best tissue nutrition uh, coming from uh, unique herbs and diet um, somewhat even um, lifestyle as well so what ayurveda says is if you uh, take um, let's say there is a rasayana called chavanaprash so if the chavanaprash is taken uh, which is a elixir or a nutritive tonic rasa is the one which is very much responsible for taking all this anti aging rejuvenating properties that are present in rasayana to deliver it to uh, the bone tissue the bone marrow and the reproductive tissue that's why rasa is all well that's really really interesting and i know that there's a lot of great herbs that are rasayana herbs that also help in rejuvenation and a lot of uh you know rev- i don't want to say reverse aging but slowing the process of the aging um you know that whole transformation in our bodies yep so you know, go ahead sorry vaidya no 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 i said you're right because that is the entire um idea that we want to give it to our uh, listeners that it is what you said is exactly true Can you describe what upadatus are and and how um what these upadatus for rasa is mm-hmm. So in the uh, physiology of um, the the physiology of human body 
as I said in the beginning of our discussion here, uh, Tiffany, that seven tissues are supporting every aspect of our physical makeup. Uh, but they also have secondary dhatus or secondary tissues, like let's say uh, the, the menstrual flow is a secondary tissue. Um, tendons and ligaments, secondary tissue. Cartilages, secondary tissue. Breast milk, secondary tissue. So all these are considered as upa dhatus. Upa means uh, min minor or secondary. Dhatu, of course, uh, supportive structures uh, or supportive tissues. So these are upa dhatus. And for the rasa, the first one that we are discussing here today, uh, it is the uh, breast milk and, and the um, uh, menstrual flow. So these two, that means the nourishment from the rasa that is going towards production of breast milk when the mother is breastfeeding and the nourishment that goes towards uterus for making the menstrual cycles possible is actually coming from the rasa. So that what it means is if rasa is abnormal or deficient or if it is inflamed, then the same thing can be seen in its secondary tissues that is in the breast tissue or in the uterine tissues. So that's what the upadhatu means. So this is, this is very important. You brought up this point of upadhatu because people think that there is nothing wrong with their diet and they are having, let's say, a female who is having a lot of menstrual cramps or menstrual discomfort or missing a cycle itself. That means it's not what they are eating. It's because the rasa that is prepared by their gut is not being channelized to their uterus to make the menstrual cycle possible. So the, the, the point here, uh, Tiffany, is that um, these upadhatus also are essential for uh, the secondary functions that body needs. That makes a lot of sense in, in the fact that if there's, you know, as, as you said, an issue with menstruation or breastfeeding or, or milk production, in the breast, then we would want to look at the rasa, since that's a upadhatu of of um, of the rasa. So, mm -hmm. in that sense, um, would there be an issue with the agni of rasa in the conversion of the mm -hmm. nourishment to? Very good point. Very good point. So. Let's see, before that, answering that question, I want to take up how rasa gets formed in the body. Um, we touch base with that very briefly. So when the uh, digestive fire, which we call as agni, most of our listeners know about agni now because we've been talking about it so many times. So this agni, when it is properly functioning in the gut, this agni converts the food um, basically breaks down into nutritional part and the waste part. So whatever waste part it goes downwards and then forms the feces and gets eliminated. Whatever is the nutritional part or essential part gets absorbed into the body. And once it comes into the body, that is what we call as rasa. That is the liquid, that is the nutritional rich liquid that we have. 
And this liquid uh, or the tissue that is flowing has its own agni. So the rasa tissue or rasa uh, dhatu has its own agni, which appropriates all the nutrition to match with its quality, which is soft, liquidy, flowing, spreading, uh, cold, then uh, uh, also like unctuous, moistening. These are the qualities that are present in the rasa dhatu. So the agni takes the food and makes them to have these qualities in the rasa dhatu. So um, to come to your point, Tiffany, rasa, when it is having its proper agni, that, uh, that is metabolizing its own nutrition, uh, then the health of the rasa is maintained. If this rasa-based agni or metabolism slows down or gets impaired, then the type of rasa that is formed may not have that the moistening, cold, soft, liquidy, spreading quality. Some of these qualities may be missed. And when that happens, then the rasa will not be able to do its function of taking the nutrition from the gut to the tissues. Yeah, that's very important point since rasa is pretty much the beginning of the whole cascade process down all the way to the end of the of the seven datus. So we have to make sure that our rasa agni is very is uh, working appropriately. Yep. Um, so we can definitely talk about what kind of substances or food or lifestyle or even uh, herbs that can help people to have a good rasa as well as we go through. I know that you have your own, um, you know, uh, set of questions in a chronological order. I don't want to disturb that, uh, you know, sequence. So uh, at some point when you want me to talk about that, we will definitely give it to our listeners here so that they can have a wonderful rasa that makes them really nutritionally uh, healthy. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get to that in shortly. Um, but you mentioned earlier about waste product. And, you know, as you go down the seven tissues, there's always waste that is being produced. And for Rasa, what would be that waste product or mala? Mm. Um, so Rasa, as I said, in Ayurveda, everything goes with the quality that uh, something is, like as I earlier, earlier was saying, uh, soft, uh, cold, um, uh, you know, moist, uh, unctuous or moist, um, rich, um, in, you know, nutritious. All these qualities refer also to another entity uh, that we all very well know. All our listeners will know. That is called kapha. So when rasa is uh, done with its, uh, you know, physiological uh, function in the body, uh, it turns into uh, its waste product uh, basically is uh, kapha. So kapha gets formed after the rasa is done its work. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's it's very interesting that that's the first part of one of the do or the doshas that gets produced is kapha. It mm -hmm. makes sense since rasa is about nourishment and kapha is also you know 
uh, goes hand in hand with nourishment and stability and um, providing all of that nourishment. Yeah. So if rasa is abundant, then kapha becomes abundant as well. When they are physiologically healthy, then the kapha that is formed as a way, even though as a byproduct or a waste product, um, we may not have to say it as by, by, you know by waste product. It's a byproduct, and that product uh, kapha, which is normal, as you pointed out, Tiffany, it is uh, you know uh, building the body, helps to have cohesiveness. No, and uh, this uh, somewhat building ability or uh, the constructive ability to other tissues. That's what it does. Um, if it is abnormal, if the rasa is abnormal, then the kapha that's formed is also abnormal. I'll give you a very, very simple uh, you know, uh, example here. Uh, let's say somebody eats a very cold, uh, rich ice cream in the in the uh, wee hours of, of night after, a, you know, uh, a party and they will wake up in the morning with a little congestion. What happened is that they produce a lot of rasa that was very thick and this thick rasa becomes kapha in the night and in the morning it's shifted from the gut to the respiratory channels in the, in the you know, locations of kapha. Their nose is blocked or the sinuses are clogged or the throat is, you know, swollen up uh, with, with some, you know, uh, sore throat. That happens because kapha was formed uh, due to abnormal rich rasa. Does it make sense what I, I related to these two? Yes, like a lot of the gunas that you described are pretty much fall in line with kapha. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of leads me to my next question in terms of signs and symptoms of datu disorders. So if rasa is increased too much, having too much rasa in the body, what kind of symptoms or things would we see or, you know, if a patient were to come in and have these experiences, what kind of things would they describe? Mm. So if the rasa is, it is usually due to lack of uh, the rasa agni uh, or due to excess production of rasa that is not required for the body. So when that happens, of course, rasa being a liquid, then you can imagine it starts with the gut itself. There is um, somewhat like sluggish digestion that starts happening. Uh, then the tongue coating will become thicker and uh, somewhat whitish in nature. The taste in the mouth changes where a person feels like everything in the mouth feels more uh, saline or salty taste in the mouth or like uh, excessive salivation causing uh, sweet taste in the mouth. Uh, and then slowly this rasa gets into other parts of the body causing somewhat lethargy or sluggishness. If it gets into the brain, then into the deeper tissues and starts clogging or starts, uh, you know, um, blocking the passages, then there will be the foggy thinking, uh, you know, somewhat like uh, not able to, uh, you know, come up with quick ideas, uh, sleepiness um, sometimes during the day. Um, then also uh, skin uh, becomes somewhat congested um, and the swelling can be seen, a little bit of puffiness can be seen uh, as a uh, sign of rasa being excess 
of of course rasa slowly starts pouring out from the uh, you know smaller mucous membrane channels uh, like uh, there is post nasal drip uh, congestion uh, puffiness in the eyes or watering of the eyes um, then uh, you can also see that the person will urinate more than normal so they have to go to urinate uh, because the fluids are in excess such things will happen uh, when the, the when there is excess of rasa if the same rasa is deficient then you will see the opposite the skin becomes dry uh, there is hair and nails becoming brittle uh, hair fall sometimes happens uh, also the uh, heart being an organ that is responsible for pumping the rasa uh, that becomes a little deficient and sometimes there's palpitations then if the rasa is uh, deficient in the menstrual cycle then the menstrual cycle becomes scanty or deficient or maybe delayed um, same rasa will cause in ayurveda it is responsible for um, uh, anemia um, if sometimes it may cause like lack of immunity because all of that is coming as a reflection of lack of rasa Oh, that all makes sense. Uh, covered a lot of the things that, you know, what would happen if rasa vruti or rasa kshaya would happen, which are increased or decrease of these, um, of the nourishment. So now to get to, like, I guess what we all want to know is like how, what herbs or lifestyle diet changes could one do and um, consume in order to help some of these ailments? Hmm. So, rasa enriching doesn't means um uh, very rich nutrition so rasa enriching means what your body is capable of properly digesting and assimilating that's what rasa nutrition means so rasa nutrition uh, is coming from food that is easy to digest uh wholesome food like um brown rice hand pound rice milk if they if people are capable of digesting milk raw milk um then ghee uh we also have uh, lentils and beans can also increase rasa uh most of the fruits have tremendous amount of rasa in them fresh fruit uh the always we our audience have to remember tiffany if the food is freshly prepared that has the highest amount of rasa in it um if the food is stale or process highly processed then it has very less rasa in it so that's how they have to approach this so apart from the rice and sometimes mung bean um as i was saying the fresh fruit is one of the richest sources of rasa then uh the substances like um the honey um then um the, the meat soup um those were uh, meat eaters uh, not vegans uh, ayurveda recommends that one can do um like a meat stew uh, that is what is uh, rasa increasing as well so these substances can be consumed on a daily basis so in a nutshell fresh food lot of fruits um rice mung bean 
um, then uh, also the honey and the ghee uh, will be a good source. And uh, I would I would leave it up to you, Tiffany, to uh, think about. Can you uh, you know suggest to our audience um, some like nuts and seeds that would have these rasa qualities? Yeah, absolutely. I was actually thinking kitchri would be a good uh, source of nourishment. And since rasa also for our listeners means taste, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and it aligns with kapha, since that's the dosha that gets produced as a byproduct, we would want to focus on the, the three tastes that kapha embodies, which is sweet, salty, and sour. Beautiful. So anything that very, very nice. pretty much combines those three mainly. Oh, I love it. So you said it in such easier terms that people who want to have like fruit, for example, is sweet, sour in taste. So that directly improves the rasa quantity and quality. Yeah. And you, you also said that salty taste. That's why we choose Himalayan salt as one of the substances to um, moderate and, and and nurture a good rasa. So I like your answer. <laughs> oh, thank you, Vaidhi. <laughs> um, I I also um, yeah, since diet is very important, and, and I like that you touched on the fact that fresh food is also very important because I feel like the American diet really focuses on highly processed food. Even people that are vegetarian or vegan. They'll still go for, you know, options that are highly processed, like beyond meat, uh, mm-hmm. tofu, things that are still mm-hmm. have go through that, you know, process of um, of, uh, you know, production. And mm-hmm. we want mm-hmm. foods that are less, you know, processed in mm-hmm. our con- in our daily consumption. So mm-hmm. to get to get good quality of food. Yeah. So another thing that we I would like to add another layer, Tiffany, to all our listeners. If our mind is not pleasant when we are eating food, that directly impacts the formation of rasa. So we cannot forget that. And we cannot just say, people, you mentally be in whatever state you are, just eat some healthy food like rice and mung bean and khichri that you referred to, which is a medley made from rice and lentils. Mung bean, that's great, but you cannot forget the state of mind. If the state of mind is disturbed, then Ayurveda says that that type of rasa that is consumed, uh, food that is consumed, that rasa never is quality rasa to support the tissue, uh, uh, you know, uh, nourishment. So that's something that I wanted to add. I 100% agree with that. You know, we learned that, you know, it's good to just not be distracted when we eat. Like, you know, a lot of people watch TV or, you know, have a lot or they're working while they're eating. And it's it's good to just stay present and enjoy the food that's in front of you. Give gratitude for the preparation and, you know, from the beginning of the food being uh, produced, you know, to it being uh, cooked and, you know, it presented in front of you, having that gratitude and being present when you're eating and enjoying the the taste that come with that, come with, you know, eating is 
all part of the process in healing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything. I completely agree with you. And, uh, you know, the food that is taken, if it is taken in a bad mindset or disturbed state of mind, it forms more waste product than the nourishing rasa, uh, you know, juice or essence of uh, the food. So the, the, we are, you know, uh, touching base with uh, some of the uh, diets that we will be uh, encouraging um, and, and, and then the spices. So we are looking at spices that uh, increase the rasa. Datu Agni, uh, Tiffany, will be like cumin, uh, ginger, um, even like cardamom. Uh, these things can really suck out the pure essence of rasa from the food and improve the rasa metabolism so that this type of rasa uh, is conducive to every tissue in the body and every tissue gets really proliferant with the highest quality of uh, you know tissue formation so that prolongs our life longevity depends on rasa so if rasa is very carefully crafted in our bodies then the longevity is a for sure hap- you know bound phenomena to happen so I said ginger, I said cumin, I also said cardamom. We can also think about spices like uh, fennel, spices like, um, you know, oregano. These are very good for um, making the rasadhatu agdi uh, go up. So uh, that's what I wanted to add. Uh, Tiffany, do you, do you agree with that? And we know that we learned it in your nutrition, uh, you know, this classes that they are the spices that are very essential. Oh, wholeheartedly agree. I pretty much use all those herbs in my cooking. Um, I love a lot of flavor in in a lot of the dishes that I make. So I touch on a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. Rasa, uh, turmeric is actually a rasa cleansing spice. Ginger is a rasa enhancing spice. Whereas um, the aromatic spices like uh, cardamom, coriander, cumin, they make the rasa very, uh, you know, uh, pure. So that's how Ayurveda looks at uh, these spices being added to the food and their influence on rasa. Yes, it makes a lot of sense. And in terms of like the common herbs that would help improve someone's rasa, you know, aside from things that we could do on our own with our diet and a lot of the spices that we can include in our food. What are some herbs that you would recommend, Vaidya, um, that people can also enhance um, someone's rasa? Uh, very good. So first and the foremost of these herbs will be amalaki, which is uh, Indian gooseberries, um, rich, rich with uh, natural vitamin C, but also a lot more acute nutrients and this goes back to your earlier addition to our podcast to all our listeners that uh, amalaki has five tastes among six the sour sweet uh, except salty it has uh, other you know like um, five tastes in it so it's very very rich uh, in terms of uh, nourishing and um, uh, making the rasa pure so one of the synonyms that we have in ayurveda for this amalaki is called dhatri. Dhatri means the, a, 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 a nursing mother or a, a breastfeeding mother. See, 
the entire nourishment for the baby is coming from the breast milk like that rasa is so much benefited by these um uh, herb called amalaki so the first one will be amalaki second one will be anantamool anantamool is a um, root coming coming from a plant called uh, hemidesmus indicus which is also known as uh, indian sarsaparilla so this a herb also is very aromatic rich and uh, almost uh, similar to that of milk in its properties and it is capable of really enriching the good quality rasa third one is uh, shatavari which is uh, known as the most uh, valuable female tonic it doesn't mean that males should not take it female males can also take it but females highly benefit from this uh, the root uh, tuber called shatavari which is known as asparagus vesimosus and that is uh, you know equal to uh, bringing the material uh, required for the rasa formation so that's how uh, we say that uh, these three uh, herbs will be beneficial there are other herbs too um, which can be beneficial but for general use uh, that these are the you know common Uh, uh herbs but if they if our listeners want to learn more about and know what is appropriate to their bodies and helping their rasa then they should consult their ayurvedic practitioners and get more specific uh, herbs that can help them yeah so the, a lot of the herbs that you mentioned i noticed that they were rasayana herbs which you touched on earlier mhm So would you recommend or what type of lifestyle changes would you advise someone to implement into their into their daily habit to help with their rasa stay strong as well Great so more you make the rasa to move the the rasa becomes healthy you don't want a stagnant rasa so i exercise or activity is very much essential uh to keep the the rasa healthy and formation of rasa also depends on exercise as simple as walking to yoga uh and the uh any activity like um, you know uh swimming uh even like pilates things like that have a excellent you know um, action on the rasa's health and rasa circulation now the lifestyle that we want is also properly balanced with sleep so uh, rasa gets enriched when we go to uh, ti- when we get a timely sleep so why because the resting mind is always good for rasa a busy mind is always detrimental to rasa so in the sleep when the mind becomes completely uh, uh nullified or deep in in the sleep uh the rasa becomes very uh you know pure and uh, serene so that type of a rasa uh, is very uh, important for functioning of the heart and also for immunity so sleep in terms of lifestyle is uh, very important and then waking up early in the morning is another uh, aspect that ayurveda says it uh, makes the rasa to uh, reach its uh, highest uh, you know uh, qualities uh, in terms of its uh, uh, nourishment and circulation so waking up in the morning 
getting enough amount of sleep, uh, quality sleep is something that we see in lifestyle. Also, thinking that this is very important to exercise, over-exercising or over-exertion is, you know, counterproductive as well. So, the exercise, we did this podcast, I and you, Tiffany, amount of exercise, how much to do, maybe our listeners can listen to it. So, we do have the podcast on exercise and we also have a podcast on Agni. These two can be a great resource to our listeners to listen to and see how the how much of exercise to be done to make the rasa vital rather than depleted. So um, these things I think are very practical and anybody can do it. Uh, and uh, I think I think don't you think that uh, people should be able to keep their rasa healthy by these you know ideas and the constant you know knowledge that we have given to them? Oh yeah, there's. So much knowledge and the fact that we covered Agni in detail. We also covered sleep. Um, you know, it's got its own podcast segments that we did All in right. detail. So go yeah, see. Yeah, I forgot so, about that. Yeah, yeah right. so we we definitely have a lot of um, information that people can you know listen to and combine the knowledge and apply it to their life as they see it. So definitely. All right, well, that concludes the first segment of our seven series on the seven tissues or datus. I want to thank you, Vaidya Jay, for sharing your wealth of knowledge with us. And uh, we'll be back for our second segment, which will be on rakta, which is blood. Thank you so much, Dr. Jay. I am so happy that we could do this for all our listeners. And I am definitely uh, looking forward to the um, second series, the third one, so that we can make our listeners to learn so much about their body in Ayurvedic terms, which is so easy to learn. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank Thank you so much. Namaste. Namaste, Tiffany. Thank Thank you. Bye.